0: That's the series that we're in this semester, we're calling it Songs for the Road and Psalm, the Psalms of Ascent, Psalms 120 to 134, and it's a section of the Psalms, and it's a section of Psalms where God's people in the Old Testament would get together and they would go up to Jerusalem and they would hike up on this hiking trip together, and while they were on this road, this journey ascending, they would sing these songs. That's what they would sing. And they would sing them um, in order that their hearts might be shaped and their minds might be shaped as well and that God would be glorified and that they would get to their destination together and they would sing. This is the playlist of God's people. And so far, we've looked at Psalm 120 that was all about honesty. Honesty is essential for the road. Psalm 121 was last week and Psalm 121 was all about help. Or do we look to find help on the road? And we're going to do Psalm 122, which is really about the church. And I was like, you know, I actually don't think that would be best to do uh, tonight. So we're actually skipping to 126. And Psalm 126 is uh, another honest kind of lament psalm. We're going to walk through it. Um, Oftentimes we experience the miraculous in life. And usually when we go to weddings, we experience the miracle of life, kind of moments that are too good to be true. You see the, uh, the bride to be walking down the aisle in a white dress. You see her making eye contact with her future husband and you see the husband cr- inevitably cry at, uh, at looking at this beautiful bride walking down the aisle and you're looking at the wedding party and you're watching the parents and everyone is so engaged and emotionally invested, and the moment is so thick with holiness, and um, you want to pinch yourself, especially if you're in the wedding party, and when teams win championships, this is kind of another moment where it's just like, this seems like it's too good to be true. This is what I have longed for all season long to get to this point, to win this championship. Um, When we had Annie, when she was born, this was another moment of my life where um, she was born November 9th and when she was born, um, I'll never forget it because like, um, the wedding ceremony, uh, it was a holy ground kind of moment. But after these miraculous moments, life goes on. And so after the wedding, it's time to do dishes with your wife at home, or, uh, it's time to do dishes and, um, make the bed and clean the house and the pay the bills and forgive and confess and hurt each other's feelings. That's the like messiness of marriage. It's not just the wedding ceremony. And then after Annie was born, we came home and now it's like time for diapers and it's time for like not a lot of sleep and um, the daily grind of being parents. Of course, it's, we think about that day when she was born all the time. And then, you know, like championship rings and the celebration of winning a championship when teams win the daily grind of practice and workouts and fatigue and loneliness of being an athlete. That's the daily grind. Okay. So there's this experience of miraculous, too good to be true moments in life. And then there's the daily grind. That's where we live. And right now, (laughs) um, it's the daily grind. We're in the daily grind. And oftentimes it's with tears in our eyes. If we're honest, it's, Experiences of frustration and disorientation, of experiencing normalcy in COVID-19 times and having new guidelines and spiked numbers rip normalcy right out from under us. And we're sent home or someone we love gets sick. Like, this is where we are. Um, And as the people of God, we are those who have experienced the miraculous. We have been filled by God's Spirit. We have been given Jesus' righteousness by faith, not because of anything that we have done. We've been adopted as his, as his children. We've been cleansed of our sins. We have experienced the miraculous as Christians. And yet, the daily grind of following Jesus on the road, like these people who sang this song, involves laboring with tears in our eyes because there's still work to do, there's still exams to take, there's still friends to love. There's still family members to forgive. We're not done. And so we got to keep going. And this song helps us do this in a couple ways. I'm, I'm going to read it now if you'll follow along. I don't even have a Bible in front of me. Let me get my Bible. I'm going to read it and we'll walk through it. Uh, be right back. Psalm 126, God spoken not to give us rules or an exam. He's spoken because he loves us. When God, uh, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, then we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we're glad indeed. Restore the fortunes for us, O Lord, like the watercourses, the streams of the Negev, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy, and those who go out weeping, carrying the seed, will come home with joy, shouldering their sheaves. All right, here, here's the game plan. Here's, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see two things. <clears throat> This song helps us do two things as we live uh, in this life of tears and walking on this road with Jesus and this journey together with tears in our eyes. It helps us to do two things. The first is this. It helps us to look back. Psalm 126 wants us to look back. And here's what I mean. The first way that this psalm wants us to reflect back And to look back, it's actually to reflect back on God's faithfulness to us in the past. That's what we see in verse 1. If you'll have the text in front of you, it'll be most helpful. It says this, When the Lord, listen to him, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouths was filled with laughter, tongues with shouts of joy. They said among the nations, the Lord has done great for us. What are they doing? They're storytelling. They're saying, remember what God has done in our lives, in your life we're going to sing about it. We're going to storytell about. It. We got to we can't keep our mouths shut because of how miraculous these events were with God. And we read in verse 1 that the people of God, they were delivered miraculously. They were delivered in a way that only God could have done it. And it is a little unclear I've been doing some homework on this. They could have Israel could have been referring to being delivered by um From Babylonian captivity. That was a huge deal in Israel's history. Or it could have been just like simply referring to a general time where God drew near to them and restored financial means, spiritual health to them. Either way, they're reflecting back on how God has acted in the past. They're doing it together. And this was a time that made them like want to pinch themselves with laughter. They couldn't help but tell these stories of who God has been. It was like a dream. Too good to be true. They had to talk about it. And this act of looking back, it's not just what the Psalms do. This is what Christians do. This is what God's people in the Old Testament do. They always cry out, Lord, give us a, a new memory of who you've been in the past and do it again. That's what God's people do. We're going to reflect back on God's faithfulness, and then we're going to say prayerfully to each other in our songs and our prayers, Lord, do it again. And we do this all the time. Think of two things, relationships and storytelling. If you think of relationships, think of the way that we do birthdays. When we celebrate birthdays and anniversaries, they're gifts. You, you know, if, you're, if your parents come in town, you're going to take them to the Kennedy for your birthday because you definitely should so they can pay for it. You're going to go and you're going to get the spoon bread at the end and that they're going to put the candle on top. You're going to blow out your candle eating your spoon bread and you're going to celebrate your birthday or someone else's birthday and you're going to reflect on who they've been in your life. Your parents are reflecting and celebrating on who you are. In wedding anniversaries, you celebrate who your spouse has been to you for that entire year. Um, my, yeah, this is, my, my older brother passed away. A lot of y'all know that. His uh, anniversary of his death was um, on the 13th, so last week. And that was a day where I reflected on who my brother has been in my life. This is how we do birthdays, anniversaries. Um, it's just what we do. And it's also how, like, you might be from a family that tells stories Many of y'all have like family members when you talk to them, talk about them to me, you're like, my dad is an amazing storyteller. And I've been around a lot of y'all's parents and they are good storytellers. And when you tell stories about family members, they get sort of in your family's canon of stories. And it's like you tell them every year. And what happens? You get caught up in the people of these stories, the identity of your family, and so when you tell stories about your family, when you do birthdays and anniversary, the end result is gratitude for these people. And you get caught up in who they are and you actually want to, to change, you want to live a different kind of life at the end of it. It's not n- just nostalgia is my point. This is what God's people doing. They're not just being nostalgic here. They're not just saying, remember the good old days when life in Israel was really comfortable When our kids played together in the same cul-de-sac, that's not what they're doing. White picket fence, comfortable life, that's not what they were doing. They were saying, look, we want to reflect back together, not to be nostalgic, but to actually inform the way we think of the future, because it's going to change the way that we interact and move around in the world. That's what we're going to go to um, in a second. I think this is important because, y'all, if I'm honest, I'm so much more driven by my feelings I'm a, I'm a feeler on all the personality tests. I'm a deep feeler. Ivy's the thinker of the family. And that means when I wake up, how I feel drives if I don't put myself in check and thankfully I have the Holy Spirit to do that for me and the scriptures and the Bible and a wonderful thinking wife. Um, But like feelings drive and I know I'm not alone, but, and, I know that the circumstances that y'all are experiencing and that I'm experiences, experiencing the feelers in, uh, in, in the room in this group, like we're all over the place. And mo- those who are like heavy thinkers that want to have like airtight plans, y'all are freaking out too, because you're out of control. So we're all over the place. Um, and this is where we wake up. And so I want to ask like, what would it, what would it look like and feel like? to wake up in the morning and be more deeply rooted in God's faithfulness to you in the past, who he's been, by how you feel, by how like airtight your plans are for the semester and life after Wofford. Cause y'all, if we know anything so far, uh, you can't plan too far ahead right now. You can't, and you can't really depend on how you're going to feel. I can't, I'm too all over the place. But we can ground ourselves in looking in back uh, together and, and reflecting up and getting caught up in God's faithfulness in the past. Why? Gratitude, groundedness, so that we can actually live confidently in God's world. Let's go to the second one now, okay? That was looking back. Psalm 126 is also inviting us to look forward. Shocker, look forward. Um, now, what we see in verse four, I want you to see this. Um, here's, what, here's what they say. Restore the fortunes of Zion like strings, streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with jo- shouts of joy. Future tense. Shall reap, not might reap with joy. Not they, like maybe will have joy. They will have joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy. They will Okay, I love this psalm because there are tears in it. I love the psalms, and y'all know this. If you've hung around with me for like five minutes, you know that I love the psalms because of how honest they are. It's one of the reasons I wanted us to sink our teeth in them this semester because we need honesty. We need psalms and scriptures that actually are like bearing witness to the fact that life in a fallen world really sucks and we're not playing games and we're not going to act like it doesn't. We're not, and the Christian faith has no time for that. It doesn't. And so, don't buy Christian uh, pictures of and portraits of the Christian faith. That's like really airtight and nice and neat because that's not that the Psalms have no time for it. Neither should you. And and so, one of the things that I want you to see, imagery is important for the Psalms. You might notice this. This these are poems and poetry uh, takes images. And. and metaphor and allegory, extremely seriously. This is one time I just want to slow down real fast and talk about it. Notice the imagery of sowing seeds, the agricultural imagery here. Notice this. What it, what it, what's the what's the psalmist trying to do with this imagery? A couple of things. First is this with the the agricultural imagery. First thing he's trying to communicate is that our labor in God's world is handling the stuff of creation. Our labor in God's world is handling God's creation. It's agricultural work. It's, it's extending the Garden of Eden everywhere in our lives. That was the original call, right? To extend the Garden of Eden, to name the animals, to tend the garden. You are tending the garden at Wofford College of God's good creation. You are. That's what's happening. The second thing is that it's actually good work. It's not just handling the stuff of creation. It's good work. Why? Because God calls that work good. And Genesis 1 and 2, if you read it, um, it's not like God created Adam and even said, hey, look, my beautiful world I made for you and to dwell with me. That's great. I know you're excited about it. But if you want to do the real spiritual work with me, you'll do a Bible reading plan. Doesn't say it. Not there. If you really want to do the spiritual work, you need to like sign up for this like prayer practice and mindfulness exercise. Doesn't say it. Name stuff. Name the animals. Tend the garden. Do mundane work. Be friends. <laughs> like, this is Eden. Incredibly mundane, incredibly good. So it's good work in God's world. It's in the garden. It's It's laboring, even with tears in our eyes, even if it's mundane work. It's faithfully showing up doing the assignments, doing the hard work of forgiving, forgiving family members and roommates and loving those with whom you disagree. It's the daily, daily grind in the garden. That's exactly what it is, and it's good. Um, here's a quote I wanna read. Richard Kai says this, biblical hope is rooted in God's past work, the reflecting back, that gives us present power to persevere because our confidence in his future work. Why this did you notice the future tense verbs I mentioned? They shall come home with shouts of joy, etc. This good work in God's world and kingdom and garden, this labor, even with tears in our eyes, we can work, there's still work to do because we actually have hope in the future. That's the looking forward. That's the, like, why why do we labor this way? Why do we labor looking forward? Because God has made promises. God has made promises that the psalmist, you can see he's confident that the same way that he acted in verses one to three, he's gonna act in the future. And when you see verses four to six, he's like, look, this wasn't a one-time thing for God. Friends, um uh, you have a history with God. If you have a speck of faith in Jesus like at this moment, um uh, like a speck of faith, you have a history with Jesus. He has done work on you and in your life. He knows you deeply and he has acted very specifically and decisively in your life up to this point throughout the course of your life and even this semester. You have a history with him. Memory is extremely important in a reflecting back. But also, this isn't just a one-time thing. It's also a picture of how he's going to act in the future. He's not going to stop taking care of you. He's not going to stop giving you daily bread. No pause button, right? There's no pause button for it. And where we're headed... Look, and I'm gonna like sound so fire and brimstone here, except not really fire and brimstone, because I'm just gonna talk about heaven here. But I'm gonna sound so preachy. But this promise is like for like what the Bible calls heaven, where there will be no COVID nineteen and no tears and no cancer and no racial division and racism and no political division and church division and f- divorce and depression and addiction, none of it, it's gone. Every tear will be wiped away. Like, this is not just like Easter bunny stuff. Like, this is like, this is either true or it's not. Um, I have to take it to the bank that it's actually true. Um, and I want to preach the gospel and open the Bible with you and go to Burwell with you and do Zoom meetings with you because I actually believe this is true and so it's not just nostalgia to look back at the cross and it's not just like wishful thinking to look at the resurrection okay this is like we got we have to do this it's like a life or death thing truly um so when we labor we don't just labor looking back but also looking forward even with tears through our eyes um, that's that's what the psalm has for us. I hope that can be informative for you and I, and I'll I'll say this I just want to simply suggest a couple things. I I don't want to be too prescriptive here because I want y'all to actually I just have three questions for y'all I think um in the the breakout rooms I I know where a lot of y'all are because you're telling me where you're at and how you've reacted to like getting new guidelines from the school and how it's affecting your semester right when you experience normalcy, you get back on campus, things change. It is so uncertain. It's driving me crazy. It's driving you crazy. I know it is. Um, On top of that, you might have people you love that are actually sick and you're worried they're not gonna make it. Like many of you have have people in your life that you have lost over this past year since this virus came into our world. So every day is like survival mode and I get it. I want to gently encourage slash challenge you for the next couple of weeks, okay? You know, two weeks for these new um, guidelines. I know this is kind of a family conversation. Um, memory is important for you right now. And I want you to cultivate the practice of routinely reflecting back on how God has been kind to you this year and how God has been kind to you in your life and that that would actually inform the way that you live your life as you look forward with hope that God's gonna keep taking care of you because you're gonna wake up with feelings all over the place and unpredictable schedules because it's probably not gonna change anytime soon and that's that's just being real, it's being honest. So what do we do about it? reflect back, look forward while we keep moving because we're gonna keep moving together, okay? Um, And all all because God keeps his word and Jesus said he's making all things new any minute and he said it's finished any minute and that's good news. Let me pray before we start talking about it.